0: you have your Bible with you this morning, please take it out and go over into the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew, the 14th chapter, Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read some verses from there in just a few minutes. As you turn there and get settled in and ready to study this morning, let me just say how good it is to see every single one of you this morning. We've certainly had a great day of worship so far. I appreciate Brother Brian's remarks on the table, Brother Zach reading the scripture, Brother Stan for leading us in our wonderful prayer, and Brother Ryan for doing a wonderful job leading us in our, our singing. It is also especially good to have several uh, visitors in our crowd, uh, several young people on their way to camp right now. We certainly appreciate all of you who are visiting with us. You are our honored guests. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Despite all of the trials and the chaos we have experienced this year as a country, one of the things that we have tried to immerse ourselves in at the Vista Church of Christ is daily Bible reading. Daily Bible reading, by reading just one chapter a day, five days a week, Even during this time of pandemic, we've been trying to read through the whole New Testament. And I hope we can all agree that doing that is extremely important because it is through the word of God and only through the word of God that God speaks to us today. That's right. Contrary to what you might have heard today, God is not speaking to us through dreams or through visions, or through angels, or even prophets. Instead, God is speaking to us today solely through His Word. He is speaking to us today solely through His book, which is the Bible. But you see, like in any other relationship we have in our lives, like in the relationship we have with our spouse, And with our kids and even with one another for our relationship with God to truly reach its highest level then the communication we have with him. It can't be one sided. It can't be one dimensional. In other words, we can't just allow God to be speaking to us all the time, but we also got to speak to him. We also have to talk to him. We also have to talk to him on a regular basis. In fact, brothers and sisters, that is exactly where prayer comes into play. That is exactly why prayer is so important in the life of a Christian. This is something that I hope you've noticed as you've been reading through your New Testament this year. This is something that I hope you've noticed as, as you've been reading through the letters of Paul and as you've been reading through the letters of Peter. And this is something that, that I hope you've especially noticed as, as you've been reading about the life of Jesus in the gospel. I don't know about you, but as I have been blessed to reread this information that the Holy Spirit has revealed to us pertaining to the life of Jesus and the gospel. I have found myself being very impressed with his prayer life. I have found myself being very impressed with the critical role that prayer had in the life of Jesus. In fact, one of the lessons that I have noticed that we can learn when it came to the relationship that Jesus had with prayer is according to what we find in the gospel, brothers and sisters, prayer is something that Jesus did all the time. Prayer is something that Jesus did all the time. I mean, haven't you noticed that as you've been doing your Bible reading this year? Haven't you noticed that as you've been reading through the Gospel of Matthew? Didn't you notice that as you read through the Gospel of Mark a few months ago? Haven't you noticed that as you've read through the Gospel of Luke and and even as you've read through the Gospel of John in times past? Are you in Matthew chapter 14? Look at what the Bible says in verse number 22. In Matthew the 14th chapter and in verse number 22, after Jesus had miraculously fed thousands of, of men, women, and children with just a few fish and a few loaves of bread. It says in Matthew 14, in verse number 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. And after he had sent the crowds away, he went on the mountain by himself to do what? To pray. And then when it was evening, he was there He was there alone. Go in your Bible now to Mark chapter 1, please. I'm going to Mark chapter 1. Look at verse 35. Mark chapter 1 in verse number 35. It says, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a secluded place, and he was praying there. Going down to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 5. We're going to read the Gospel of Luke in a couple of months. And when we get to Luke chapter 5 and verse 15, verse 15, we're going to find these words when it says, but the news about him was spreading even farther. Notice how he's becoming very popular at this time. And large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Go now over one more chapter, Luke chapter six, Luke chapter six, and in verse number twelve, Luke six in verse number twelve, it says it was at this time that he went off to the mountain, and he spent the whole night, the whole night, in prayer to God. I want you to notice the consistent pattern that we find taking place in the life of Jesus. Do you see it? Notice how over and over again the gospel tells us that Jesus would often get away from the crowds and he would go to a secluded spot and he would just talk to God. He would just pour his heart out to his heavenly father. It didn't matter what he had going on in his life. Jesus, he always made time for prayer. He made time for prayer early in the morning when it was still dark outside. He made time for prayer in the evening. He made time for prayer at night. There are even times in the gospel where we can read about him making time for prayer before eating his meals. Prayer clearly had a big part in the life of Jesus. And the question we have to consider this morning is, is what about us? What about me and my life right now? And what about you in your life? I mean, like our Savior, Jesus Christ, do we also constantly make time for prayer? Do we also constantly make time to pour our hearts out to our heavenly father? Someone says, well, well, Sean, I, I want to be like Jesus when it comes to this, but but I just don't have enough time. I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy in my life right now to have a prayer life like Jesus. I mean, think about it. I got to work eight to 12 hours a day, five days a week. And I got to cook and, and I got to clean and I, and I got to pay my bills and keep up my finances and I got to keep up my yard work and, and I got to exercise and, and make sure I, I, I stay in shape and stay healthy. And I got to help my kids with all their schoolwork because they're having to learn more at home this year. And, and you know, I got to keep up with, with all the, the news and all the chaos that that is being broadcast every single day. I got to keep up with, with updates on COVID-19 and all the protests and all and all the riots going on around the country. And at, and at some point, I got to eat and I got to sleep. Someone says, I, I want to be like Jesus when it comes to his prayer life, but... I'm just too busy. And my dear friend, while I will not deny the fact that you may be busy. You may have a hectic schedule. I know I have a hectic schedule, but if you don't mind, let's not think about our schedules. Instead, let's think about what we've been reading in the gospel. Let's think about what the gospel tells us about the schedule of Jesus. Let's just pause for a moment or two and let's consider just how busy Jesus was in his life. Let's consider how, according to the gospel, Jesus spent essentially every day of the last three years of his life, for sure, teaching hundreds and in some cases thousands of people the word of God. He taught the word of God in in Capernaum, in Nazareth, in Bethsaida, in Corzin, and in the land of the Gadarenes. He traveled all throughout Galilee preaching the word of God. And think about this. As he traveled from place to place preaching the word of God, he didn't have the luxury of having a car. He didn't have the luxury of being able to call an Uber or ride a bicycle or, or even have a skateboard. No, Jesus, he's going from place to place for the most part on foot. He's walking all throughout Galilee every day, teaching the word of God. And, and he's also having to constantly train his spiritually immature apostles and prepare them for their future work. And he's also constantly healing people. He's giving sight to the blind and casting demons out of people. He's showing mercy and grace to people over and over again. And let us also not forget that he's constantly being followed and harassed by people. Let us also not forget that his enemies, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Herodians and the Sadducees, they're following him all over the place and they're harassing him and they're mocking him and picking fights with him and trying to have debates with him. Why? Because they want to diminish his influence. They want to get rid of him. They want to kill him. They want him completely out of the way. You see, when you just Carefully consider what the gospel is telling us about the life of Jesus. There is no doubt, my friends, that Jesus had very busy and very stressful days. And yet, no matter how busy he was and no matter how stressed he was and no matter how many people were around him trying to get a piece of him, he always made time for prayer, didn't he? He always made time to communicate with with his father. He always made sure that he made prayer happen. That's what the gospel tells us about Jesus. And think about this. If Jesus, the perfect and sinless son of God, had to constantly make time for prayer, then how much more so should we be constantly making time for prayer? How much more so should I be constantly making time for prayer? How much more so should you be constantly making time for prayer? How much more so should we as sinful and fallible creatures who are constantly being assaulted by the devil be making sure that we're praying to God multiple times throughout the day, every single day? I mean, if Jesus, someone who is perfect, someone who is sinless, someone who was God in the flesh, if Jesus had to constantly carve out moments to talk to God, that I hope we can all agree that that we as sinful creatures, we certainly need to be doing that. We certainly need to be making time for prayer as, as soon as we wake up in the morning and before our bodies even get out of the bed in the morning. We certainly need to be making time for prayer at the breakfast table with our spouse. And with our kids and before we begin our daily activities, we certainly need to be making time for prayer when we do things like exercise. When we do things like take jogs in our neighborhood or when we walk on the treadmill or while we're waiting in traffic. And even while we're driving on the interstate, just make sure you leave your eyes open for for those kind of prayers. We certainly need to be making time for prayer at work. We certainly need to be making time for prayer in the break room or in our office or in our cubicle. And when we get home from a long day at work, while our kids do their homework or while they're out outside playing in the yard or while they're watching Disney Plus, we need to just go find us a, a quiet, secluded spot somewhere in our home and we just need to talk to God again. We need to pray to God and pour our hearts out to God. And before we close our eyes at night to go to bed, we need to make sure we finish the day off right. We need to make sure that the last thing we do before we close our eyes is not watch Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or argue with people on Facebook or text message with our friends. Instead, it needs to be talking to God one more time. Instead, it needs to be praying to God one more time. It needs to be thanking God one more time for blessing us to to get through another day on this earth. Well, I just want you to see, my dear friends, if we're going to be like Jesus. And remember, the goal of a disciple is to be like Jesus, right? Well, if we're really going to be like him. If we're really going to imitate his life while he was on this earth then we got to be people of prayer. We got to be people of constant and consistent prayer. Let me tell you something. If we're too busy in our lives to constantly pray throughout the day, every single day, then guess what? We're just too busy. We're just plain too busy. Our lives are clearly out of balance right now and we need to let some things go. We need to make sure that we get our priorities in line today. If we're too busy to pray, then God's not pleased with that. Our lives are out of balance. And we're not being like Jesus. When we study the gospel, we learn that Jesus was somebody who prayed all the time. He teaches us to pray all the time, but not only does he teach us That prayer is something that must be done all the time. A second thing he also teaches us is that prayer has many different purposes. It has many different purposes. And haven't you noticed that also as you've been reading through the gospel? I mean, think about it. When we study the life of Jesus, we learn that in addition to being able to pour our hearts out to God, And in addition to being able to use it as an avenue to express thanksgiving to God, Jesus also teaches us that through prayer we can glorify God. Through prayer we can can praise God and, and we can offer adoration to God for Him just being who He is. Jesus teaches us that through prayer we can offer glory to God. And He also teaches us that through prayer we can intercede. For others. By intercede, I mean that through prayer we can we can pray for others. We can ask God to bless others. We can ask God to help the people that we love who may be struggling in their lives. Remember, that's exactly what Jesus did in Luke chapter 22 for the apostle Peter. Remember in Luke chapter 22, Jesus told Peter that that he had been praying for him because the devil was after him. He said, Peter, the devil is trying to sift you like like wheat. Jesus told Peter, I'm praying for you because I love you and because the devil is after you. But not only did Jesus pray for people like Peter, when you go over one more chapter to Luke 23, you also see Jesus praying for his enemies. You also see him as he hangs on the cross and people are mocking him and they're taking pleasure in seeing him suffer to his last breath. Jesus says a prayer. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus teaches us that we can use prayer to offer glory to God. And we can use prayer to intercede both for our friends and for our enemies. And then thirdly, Jesus also teaches us that we can use prayer to teach. We can use prayer to teach, specifically we can use prayer to teach people how to pray. We can use prayer to teach new converts how to pray. And to teach our kids how to pray in a way that glorifies God, I mean, isn't that exactly where Brother Zach showed us as he read Luke chapter 11? In Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, after Jesus prays privately, he then prays again there, but the second time he prays, it's for the purpose of teaching his disciples how to pray. Jesus shows us that we can use prayer as an avenue or a mechanism to teach other people how to pray and then go over in your Bible to Matthew chapter 26. I want to show you some in Matthew 26 and listen to what the scripture says, beginning in verse 36. This is not long before Jesus would be betrayed by Judas. And Matthew 26 and verse 36, it says, Then Jesus came came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Notice he's praying again. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, and he began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you men cannot keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Verse 42, he went away again a second time and prayed, saying, my father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy and he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. I want you to notice how here in these verses we just read, we find Jesus. We find Jesus saying three different prayers, and each prayer had the same purpose. Do you see that? Each prayer had the same purpose. Each prayer had the purpose of asking God for strength and for guidance and to remove the cup of suffering from his life if it was the Father's will. What I just want you to see is when Jesus was hurting and when he had anxiety and when he felt a great level of stress, he went and he talked to God about that. He went and he fell on his face and he poured his heart out to his heavenly father. He prayed at various times to show dependence in God. And if Jesus, the perfect and sinless son of God, use prayer for that purpose, how much more so should we as fallible and sinful creatures also be using prayer for that purpose, right? How much should much more should we as people? who are not deity in a human body, be using prayer as a mechanism to show dependence in God. I mean, if Jesus, someone who was perfect and had the ability to do anything he wanted at any time, if he used prayer for that purpose, then I think it's safe to say that, that we also should as well, right? We also should be using prayer as a mechanism or an avenue to show dependence in the Almighty God. And someone says, well, Sean, for over the past few weeks, in fact, over the past few months, that's exactly what I've been doing. Someone says, Sean, since the COVID-19 pandemic started, let me tell you something, I've been praying all the time. In 2020, in this very rough year, I've been praying more than ever for my family. I've been praying more than ever for my brothers and my sisters in Christ. I've been praying to God, begging him to help me keep my job and to keep me healthy and to be with our country and help us get through these very difficult times. Someone says, I've been praying a lot during these very dark days and while doing that, my friend, may It is a very good and noble thing to do. I want to ask you a question now. I want to ask you, what are you going to do when it comes to prayer, when things start getting better? Because things will get better. What are you going to do when the storm passes and the dust clears? Because the storm will pass and the dust will clear. What are you going to do when everybody stops talking about COVID-19? What are you going to do when our economy starts thriving again and the stock market starts doing well again? What are you going to do when you're no longer scared and you have anxiety and when your life is back to normal and and in a way that you want it to be? What are you going to do then? Are you still going to be praying? Are you still going to be talking to God are you still going to be Consistently pouring your heart out to God and drawing near to him. Will will you still be doing that when, when things get better? I ask you that because it is amazing to me. It is amazing to me how when things start going bad for us in life as human beings, When devastation is taking place, when people are hurting and they're angry and they're sick and they're dying and the economy is collapsing and things are happening to us that we feel are beyond our control, then we, for some reason, feel more compelled to pray, right? Then we feel more compelled to talk to God. Then we feel more compelled to consistently carve out time for quiet moments with God. Why why is that? Why is it that for so many people, they feel more compelled to pray during a year like 2020? Why is it that so many people feel more compelled to pray during dark times like these, but not when things are going well for us? Could it be because when life is going well for us, when we are healthy, When we are prosperous, when life is working out for us in the way we desire, then we don't pray as much because we really don't feel like we need God then, right? We really don't feel like we need to talk to God as much. We really don't feel like we need to continue to ask for God's blessings because now that things are going well, we we feel self-sufficient, right? I mean, can we just be honest about it? That's a trap that so often we fall into as human beings. And I got to tell you, that is one of the things that makes the prayer life of Jesus so remarkable to study. I don't know about you, but it is remarkable for me to open up my Bible and read about someone who, even though he is God in the flesh, even though he has miraculous power, even though he has the power to do anything he wants at any time, he consistently over and over again prays to his father. And one of the main reasons why he does that is to show dependence in his father. It is to lean on his father. And let his father know that he understands that he's not self-sufficient. Jesus did that. And I want us to understand that if we're not praying as much as we should in our lives, then it's not because we're too busy. It's not because we got too much going on in our lives. Instead, it's because we don't have an attitude like Jesus. And sad. it is because we don't understand that one of the main purposes of prayer is to show dependence in God. It is to constantly remind ourselves that we need God all the time. We need him in the good days and, and we also need him in the bad days. That's what Jesus teaches us about prayer. Jesus teaches us that prayer must be done all the time. And prayer also has many different purposes. But then third and finally, I want to leave you with this. I want to leave you with how from Jesus we also learn that when we pray, we got to pray in faith. We have to pray in faith. You study what the gospel says about Jesus, and it is very clear that when Jesus prayed, he always prayed in faith. And I'm going to be honest with you. I will admit to you that I haven't always done the best job when when it comes to this. I'm going to be honest with you. So often in my life, instead of praying to God in great faith, you know what I've done? I've treated prayer as a ritual. I've treated prayer as a good luck charm. I've treated prayer like like the Hail Mary pass in football. For all of you football fans out there like me, you know what the Hail Mary pass is, right? You know that. The Hail Mary pass happens when a team is losing a game and there's only enough time for one more play. There's only enough time for the quarterback to get that football and throw it as far as he can. Hopefully it will make the end zone, and if it does happen to reach the end zone, he hopes and prays that his receivers will some kind of way come down with it. He hopes and prays that his receivers will some kind of way catch the football. You know that's what the hair Mary Pass is, and you also know that teams who run this play, they often have little confidence it's going to work. They have little confidence that this play is actually going to work, but they still do it because guess what? They're desperate. They've run out of options. It's the last play they got in the playbook, and since there's only one second left in the game, they'll give it a shot. That's essentially what the Hail Mary Pass is. And as I just said, unfortunately, that's exactly how how I've treated prayer. Unfortunately, so often, when I begin to have problems in my life, you know what I want to do first? I first want to try to fix the problem myself. First, when I first want to rely on my intellect and my energy and my resources to fix the problem. And when I realize that I can't fix the problem with my intellect and my resources and my power, then I'll pray about it. Then I'll talk to God. Then I'll ask God to help me. And when I finally do ask God to help me, Like the Hail Mary pass, I really don't think it's going to work. I really don't think God cares about my problem. I really don't think that anything's going to happen as a result of my prayer. So often I treat prayer, I have treated prayer like the last play in the playbook. And my question is this, my question is, could that by any chance describe you I mean, is it just me or could it also describe you as someone who in past times that has lacked in faith when you prayed? Have you ever prayed to God and you felt like God was not going to listen to respond to your prayer? Have you ever found yourself avoiding prayer because you really didn't feel like it was going to work? Could that describe you also? If so, then let's remind ourselves of what Jesus says about this in the Gospel of Mark. Look over at Mark chapter 11. This this is the last place I want to take you this morning. Over in Mark chapter 11 and in verse number 22. In Mark 11 and in verse number 22. After Jesus cursed a fig tree and that miracle totally amazed the apostles and the cursed fig tree represents the spiritually sick and cursed nation of Israel that God was about to bring judgment on soon. After the apostles saw that miracle and they were totally marveled, Jesus said to them in verse 22, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, and I believe the mountain there he's referring to is the mountain in which the temple was on. I believe he's pointing at the mountain where the Jewish religion was being practiced. Jesus says, Whoever says to this mountain where the temple is, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, and that would happen a few, and, and a few years down the line, but that's another story. He says, whoever, t- whoever says, Take up this mountain and cast it into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Now, here's the key, verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe, have faith that you have received them and they will be granted you. Now, there's a lot I could say about these verses right here. These are some deep passages here. But for now, I just want you to focus on the principle. I want you to focus on the principle being established by Jesus. Notice how Jesus is telling us that when we pray, God expects us to have faith. When we pray, God expects us to have confidence. He expects us to believe with all our hearts that he will listen to and respond to our prayers. Jesus says that if we don't have faith when we pray, then we really have no business praying at all. We got to have faith. We got to always remember that when we pray, we are praying to a faithful God. We are praying to a reliable God. We are praying to a trustworthy God. We are praying to a God who is faithful to keep every promise he's made to us in regards to prayer. He is faithful to keep his promise to hear and respond to our prayers. He is faithful to keep his promise to forgive us when we repent and confess our sins when we pray. He is faithful to keep his promise to give us open doors of evangelism when we pray for those open doors and to give us wisdom when we ask for wisdom and to give us daily bread when we ask for daily bread and to help us get through the struggles that we're facing as we live on this dark planet. Jesus says that when we pray, we must pray in faith. We must pray with all our hearts and we must do that all the time. These are the lessons, my dear friends, that Jesus teaches us about prayer. And I hope and I pray that by rehearsing these things today, our prayer lives can be enhanced and maybe even taken to a whole another level. Because one of the great privileges that we have in our lives as Christians is The ability to pray, right? It is the ability to be able to talk to God at any time we desire. That is a privilege given to the children of God. And the final question I want to ask you this morning is, are you a child of God? Are you part of God's family? Are you part of God's spiritual family? If not, then you have an opportunity to become part of God's family this morning. You have an opportunity to become a brother and a sister in Christ, and you do that not by saying a prayer. There's no sinner's prayer found in the Bible. Instead, according to the Bible, if you want to become a Christian, if you want to become part of God's family, then you must believe in Jesus Christ, and you must repent of your sins and confess Jesus as Lord and obey his commandment to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. That that is what you must do. To become a child of God. And if we can help you with that in any way at all, it'll be our pleasure to do that right here and right now as we stand and we sing.